Hi there, it's episode 151, and today we're talking about the comparison game and letting go of emotional clutter. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, thanks so much for tuning in. This is Danae, and this is episode 151. And today I have an interview with my friend, Erica Lane. Eric and I are talking about the comparison game and letting go of emotional clutter. But before we get into that, here's a word from today's sponsor. The sponsor for today is Zola. I recently learned about Zola this past year when both my brother and sister got married. Zola is an amazing resource that has free wedding websites and an all-in-one wedding registry. I love that Zola is helping new couples and new families get things that they really want and they really need. You can raise funds to go on your honeymoon, plan for a new puppy, new baby, and even register for an Airbnb. Zola will definitely make life easy for the newlyweds. So if you're already married, be sure to pass on the word. To start your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry on Zola, that's spelled Z-O-L-A, go to Zola.com forward slash simple. Again, to start your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry on Zola, that's Z-O-L-A, go to Zola.com forward slash simple. I sure wish I would have had something like this when I was getting married. Back to today's episode. So for today's listener spotlight, I want to share a recent podcast review that I really loved. It's by Washington Mama. She wrote, I absolutely love this podcast and I'm so glad that I found it while my daughter is young. It's a podcast created by Danae Barahona, who has a PhD in child development and is also a mom. So yes, you have basically just stumbled upon the unicorn of mom podcasts. The content is incredibly engaging and really resonates with me. I attribute my daughter's healthy relationship with food, desire to play independently joyfully, my newfound ability to handle tough toddler behaviors, and desire to learn more about child development from this podcast. It has helped me to simplify so many areas of my life, making it really easy to enjoy this wonderful time as a mother, which all too often can seem very difficult. I highly recommend this podcast to all my pregnant and mom friends. Thank you so much for your kind words. This sort of thing really fills up my cup and gives me the motivation to keep going on this because there really is so much behind the scenes work that goes on with this podcast. I truly love hearing from you all, whether it's in the form of a podcast review or a quick email. If you have questions or comments or any suggestions for Simple Families, please send me an email at Danae, D-E-N-A-Y-E, at simplefamilies.com. Your words are always welcome. So winding back around to today's episode, I'm talking with my good friend, Erica Lane. Erica is the voice behind the Life on Purpose movement. She's such an inspiration in the intentional living and minimalism space, and I am so excited that she has just released her first book. And that book is called The Minimalist Way, Minimalism Strategies to Declutter Your Life and Make Room for Joy. Her book came out this month, and it's full of insight and approachable wisdom. Erica is a mom of three that lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. In the show notes, I'll put all the links to get in touch with her and the link to her new book. And today, Eric and I are diving into just one of those strategies, and that's looking at comparison and emotional clutter. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you have questions or comments, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 151. Without further ado, here's my chat with Erica. Hi, Erica. Thanks so much for coming on the show. 
Hi, thank you. I'm a longtime fan, so I'm really excited to be here. Well, I know that I am a longtime fan of yours too, and it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the past couple of years. I agree. So Erica, you have a new book that is has come out this month, which is really exciting. This is your first book, right? Yes, it is. I'm excited. Good. So the book, The Minimalist Way, Minimalism Strategies to Declutter Your Life to Make Room for Joy, I love that it tackles the different areas of clutter in our lives, including not just the physical, but the emotional clutter as well. And that's what I want to talk to you more about today. I want to know more about letting go of emotional clutter, um, specifically talking a lot about this idea of comparison and in how today's society, we compare ourselves to others, whether it be via social media or the person next door, whatever it might be. Great. Yeah. I'm really excited about this topic because I think it has such a huge but kind of underrated impact on our happiness. We tend to talk about um, decluttering our homes a lot, but decluttering what's going on inside of our heads and examining examining it a little closer is so powerful. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you. I'd be curious to hear your input on this. But when I first started decluttering, I definitely started with the stuff and had no intent of moving to the the mental stuff. But I found that even once my whole house was decluttered, that my brain still felt heavy and it felt like the next natural place to go. Absolutely. Yes. I think it would be hard to start a physical decluttering journey without eventually moving into um, mental and emotional because that's just the natural flow. Yes. I completely agree. And that's how it has felt to me. And I think in many ways that decluttering and keeping my house decluttered has been far easier than the emotional piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's ongoing. (laughs) Yeah. It's all a journey, but keeping your brain simplified and streamlined, I think is something that is definitely a lifelong journey. Right. Yes. Um, I think that's why I'm so drawn to the whole minimalism space in general, because I tend to have a really busy brain. I'm an introvert and my internal monologue is just always, always going, going, going. (laughs) So it's really effective for me um, and very much an ongoing work. Yes. So I wanted to talk about comparison today because it comes up a few times in your book. And I think that it is a really important topic when we're thinking about emotional clutter and physical clutter, because we do a lot of comparing ourselves to others. And this feels kind of like a natural thing that everybody does. Do you think that? Yeah, I think so. I absolutely think it's human nature. And what's even worse about it, I think it's human nature to compare our worst to another person's best. So we never tend to stack ourselves favorably. (laughs) Right. And we do that constantly on social media is we're comparing our worst to other people's best. When you think about it that way, I think it's kind of frightening. It is. I agree. And we've got to start with ourselves because our kids are, you know, their little minds are watching us and we need to figure it out so that we can kind of coach them and help them with this stuff too. Right. And when you have other people who you're following online on social media, whether it's someone, you know, or if it's an influencer or celebrity, like, do you, what are your suggestions on unfollowing people and decluttering your social media? If it's, if you're finding yourself comparing yourself a lot? Yeah. Um, I, 
It's funny. One time I was running a course and in the course, I suggest to the students that they declutter their social media feed. So go take a really thoughtful look at who they're following and how each um, person or account makes them feel. And a student emailed me saying, I checked up on how many people you follow on Instagram. And luckily for me, she was like, luckily, she was like, you walk the walk because I only follow um, a pretty limited number of people. And I was like, phew, good thing I actually practice what I preach there. (laughs) But I just can't let too much more noise into into my brain. And I know that I do tend to make those unfavorable comparisons. So I think, you know, in this, in this climate, it's never been easier to compare our lifestyles to someone else's, where um, at one point we might have just graduated, let's say, high school or college and kept in touch with our peers through the occasional phone call or lunch date. Now, because of social media, we're often aware of every new baby, every promotion, every vacation and home purchase. The world has just become so much smaller as we get a window into the lives of everybody from our childhood friends to our long lost cousins, coworkers, bosses, neighbors, fellow school parents, and even celebrities and public figures, like you mentioned. So what's worse is that we all know that this glimpse isn't accurate. We, we tend to document the highlights of our lives, right? Leaving out the messes and the struggles. Um, And we know as we scroll through our feeds that nobody is as perfect as they seem. No one's hair always looks perfect and nobody's 10-year-old boy really likes wearing skinny jeans. (laughs) But the more we look, the more we want our lives from our homes, our clothes, our marriages, our families, our vacations, we want our lives to kind of mirror or stack up against what we see even if we know in our heads that that standard isn't realistic. So I totally get following someone for inspiration. Like when my kids were younger, I followed a couple of moms who gave me great ideas of things to do with my kids. And I still follow a couple of, you know, foodie accounts to help me figure out what in the world to feed my family. And I even follow one Instagram fitness Instagrammer who gives me ideas for new like circuits to try at the gym. (laughs) But I think the key is knowing, um, the key is like, you can follow someone for inspiration, or you can start feeling like you don't measure up. And I think the difference is just watching for feelings of not enough. So if you look at another person's feed and leave feeling like your home isn't pretty enough, your body isn't fit enough, your family's diet isn't healthy enough, or your personality is lacking in some way. Maybe you're not ambitious enough, generous enough, outgoing enough. It could be anything. Um, That's when you've dipped into a negative comparison or envy. Yeah. I am thinking about different accounts that I followed and what I find inspirational versus um, overwhelming. And I actually really follow very few food and recipes because I don't do a lot of fancy cooking. Right. And <laughs> it I, it feels like this reminder that I don't. And I guess the underlying piece of that is that I'm maybe I'm a little bit self-conscious, even if I don't like to admit it, that I'm self-conscious that I'm not cooking <laughs> beautiful gourmet recipes for my family. But um, yeah, that feels like a constant reminder when I see that stuff popping up that like, oh, like, 
look at how many amazing options there are out there and I'm choosing zero of these. Does that make (laughs) me less because I'm not making these things? Exactly. So the moment you notice, like you can think, oh, it'd probably be helpful like for me to follow this account because they'll give me lots of ideas of pretty and healthy food I can feed us. But the moment you start noticing that you're just kind of feeling worse about yourself, you know, that's when it's time to really think about unfollowing. I'll do it all the time where I follow someone briefly, but the moment I notice that I'm starting to feel a little bit worse about myself, then I unfollow. And I also wanted to mention that it's not, in my opinion, it's never that an influencer or it's not the other person's job to make you feel good about yourself. That's really up to you. So I unfollow without any sort of ill feelings, you know, I'm like, okay, carry on. You keep doing you. I'm sure it's great for a lot of people, but it's just not impacting me the best right now. So I'm going to unfollow, but I just take that on myself and don't expect anything of the other person, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's a really healthy way to put it because your feelings towards this other person are a reflection of your feelings towards the other person. Mm. They're not a reflection of the other person per se. (laughs) And keeping ownership over those feelings is really important because we can't push those off onto somebody else. They're they're our own experience and our own life. Um, But it's interesting that you also mention the types of social media accounts that post um, activities with kids because Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like those at all. Not that they're not, there's not value in them, but I just find that that's another constant reminder of stuff that I'm not doing, even though it's not in my wheelhouse, it's not in my interest. I have no intent on doing those kind of activities. I do still kind of am like, ugh, like, or like there's a couple ideas with like accounts that put up like new toys all the time. And I'm just like, oh, another new toy, another new toy, another new toy. Um, and I can feel really overwhelmed by all the options. Then I start to feel like I'm on Pinterest and I don't really spend a lot of time on Pinterest for that reason. Cause I exactly. find it super overwhelming. Yeah, I get that for sure. You just, you know, we all find people that we, that we kind of jive with. So if I followed a mom who gave ideas of things to do, they were like, easy ideas. Nothing overly elaborate. <laughs> Got it. Nothing that needs a shopping list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nothing with a shopping list. Absolutely. So when you start living with less, I feel like it's really easy to start comparing the amount of stuff that you have with others. Like, you know, you're decluttering and you go to somebody else's house and think like, oh, I have less stuff or I have more stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you, if you, even if you're not comparing I feel like your kids are going to be comparing. Do you feel like yeah. you experienced that or your kids have experienced that? Yeah, I I love this question. Um, I personally don't believe that anybody's life needs to look a certain way. So my book, The Minimalist Way, does have minimalism in the title. But in the book, I define minimalism as building a life based on what you value. So in regards to the home, I don't want people to get rid of everything they own as much as I want them to really ask themselves what kind of environment they want to live in. So do they feel most comfortable, most themselves in a home with empty surfaces and let's say lots of white space? Or do they feel more at home in a house with artwork and family photos on the walls or accessories passed down to them from, you know, grandparents and family members or maybe collected on their travels? So to me, the question is more, how, what fits you and what makes you feel at home and makes you feel like your best self. 
So for me, defining minimalism this way takes all of the judgment out of it because everybody is free to build a life that fits them no matter how different it looks from mine. But as for my kids, let's see, I'd say that my kids know that I feel most at ease, most able to be the mom and the woman that I want to be in a simplified and tidy home. So without me even needing to say it, they can totally tell that I'm scattered and stressed and quicker to get angry when the house feels messy or cluttered. And I talk to them about that for sure, like how I feel in a tidy home versus how I feel in a more chaotic home. Um, I talk to that with I talk about that with my words, but I think they also can just see it. They experience it all the time. And I actually love sending them to homes that feel different than ours. So I have this friend who has dogs, chickens, goats, and a really old tortoise. (laughs) And her home and yard are filled with eclectic things like antiques and a red British phone booth. Um, But she's an artist and her home totally fits her personality. And I love for my kids to experience that. So after we visit a home that's different than ours, I like to reiterate that we all, or at least those of us who are so lucky to have relative financial stability, we all have the opportunity to choose how we live. And I emphasize this with my kids partly because I want to hold like their stories really loosely in my hands. I know that they're going to grow up and they may have homes that are much more cluttered than the one they grew up in. Or maybe their um, future spouse will never have heard of minimalism or at least have no interest in it, you know? So I don't want to set them up with my own story. I want them to develop theirs. So I just, I talk about how we live and how it's because that's how I feel comfortable. That's what I feel it reflects my values. But I try to let them have space to be who they are. So do you feel like they, do you let them keep more stuff in their rooms? Like what, how do you handle that? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I'm saying so, but if my kids were here right now, they would say, mom throws out everything. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, they say that. I recently, we were moving and when you move, obviously you throw out plenty of stuff. Like it's a great chance to declutter. So they had, they had met in person, this rock climber, Alex I want to say it's Honold, Alex. Oh Honnold. yeah, I was actually just talking about him to my oh, audience. Yeah, yeah really Alex awesome. Honold. Yeah. So yeah, now you're now since you know of him, you're gonna judge me. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so they had met him in person and they listened to him speak in San Francisco. My husband took the, our boys, and he signed a picture of himself and said, "Like climb on, Alex Honold or Honold." And they had it hanging on their bulletin boards in their rooms for months. And after a few months, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was fun. That was great. We're moving. I'm going to toss that, you know? And then, of course, as soon as we moved, he got that IMAX, like National Geographic movie made about him free soloing free soloing El Capitan. Yeah, it's like the movie of the year, pretty much. <laughs> yes. And we went to see it. And so now my kids are constantly like, mom threw out our Alex signatures, <laughs> autographs. I don't know. <laughs> yes. So they would say I throw stuff out. I do like, I'm just purposeful about the toys that I let them keep. Like I, 
I, or not that I let them keep, it's more like the toys that we buy for them. So we'll buy, when they were younger, it was building sets and we'd keep the building sets higher in their closet and we'd, you know, cycle them down like one or two at a time. And to me, that was manageable. And now they're older, they're all in elementary school. So they come home, it's still kind of the same overall with like the toy sets, but they come home with more junk. So I just like put that junk on top of the fridge until they stop noticing it and throw that out, you know, <laughs> like any mom. Like the artwork like, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Or just like Valentine's Day, just all the pencils and erasers and random stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, but, yes. I, I, but their their rooms are more cluttered than I like for sure. You know, my boys are currently into throwing cards, like decks of cards, like seeing how throw, far they can flip a card across the room. So that gives me a little bit of anxiety, but I just try to let it go. They're their own people. As long as they keep those cards in their room, I can handle it. (laughs) So what do you feel? How do you feel about emotional clutter for kids? Do you feel like your kids are living busy lives or that they're feeling overwhelmed by the world? Because I feel like as a kid, that can easily happen. Yeah, that's a great question. Um. I would say that the main thing I do to hopefully counteract um, emotional clutter for them is just really emphasize their inherent worth. So it's kind of the Brene Brown, like wholehearted parenting style of parenting. I try to tell them all the time that nothing they ever do or fail to do can add or take away from their worth. So they're already 100% worthy, 100% enough. Um, Of course, that doesn't mean we don't all have room for growth. So they hear me listening to like self-development podcasts up the wazoo. (laughs) But I want them to know that my love for them and their inherent worth is unchangeable. So I think that's the best thing we can do to the best groundwork we can really lay to help them handle comparison, um, the comparisons that they'll inevitably draw in their lives. And I hope that that gives them just a great foundation for um, reducing their emotional clutter because they're more more confident in who they are. Yes, absolutely. So what do you think is the difference or is there a difference between comparison and envy? Because I feel yeah. they feel very intertwined to me. Yeah, I'd say they are. And when we're, when we're using them um, in the world, I don't know that the distinction really matters that much, but comparison is I'd say is neutral. It's just the act of comparing. So I could compare the way I balance my life, my roles as a wife, a mom, a community member, and a solopreneur to the ways that you do. And I'm sure that if you and I went into it, like with a collaborative spirit, that it could be helpful for both of us. Um, But then there's envy, which is the desire to have something um, that someone else has. So you can make a comparison and in theory, it can be neutral. And I think the human brain just does that all the time. And then you can dip into envy, which is where you want something, whether it's a quality or a belonging that somebody else has. Um, The difference there is just that with that comparison, we feel like we fall fall short. You're making the comparison and either deciding whether you want what they have or not. And if you don't want what they have, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. Yeah. And I, I definitely see that that envy happening with with kids and with adults. And it's like, you know, like we talked about social media, that it's so, 
easy to fall down that rabbit hole and it's so easy to fall victim to that when you see what people are around you are doing all the time constantly yeah. i feel like we're so exposed to other people's lives exactly and then on top of that um i'm thinking about this more from a parent's perspective but we're going to draw those comparisons naturally but also social media platforms have they almost have comparison built in in that um likes are tracked you know so so now like we we have a family photo stream that we share with my husband's extended family. So we can all post pictures and we can comment and like each other's pictures. And my boys, um, they participate in the family photo stream. So I kind of feel like it's our first tiny little step into social media. And obviously, I want to delay social media as long as we can and let their brains develop as much as possible. <laughs> but this this is purely family and it feels like a great way for us to have some conversations so they'll post something sometimes and and they'll say like I'll hear them say at dinner or something like has has that picture gotten any likes like has has have have, have people been commenting on that picture so it gives me a great little chance to just say just say like oh and just remember that likes don't have anything to do with who we are as people that just has to do with other people, you know, other people, that's, that's their own thing. It doesn't impact our value. So it's this perfect little baby step. And my kids are still young enough that they tend to soak up everything I say. They're not like resisting it yet. So I'm trying to get in as much as I can. <laughs> yes. And that is smart. Absolutely. <laughs> How do you feel about when you're talking to kids about comparison and envy and they are experiencing envy, like how do you talk to them about that feeling and without shaming them? The first thing that comes to my mind is just listening with empathy because really that's all people need is someone to listen and hear them. So I think I would just in the moment try to listen and say, yeah, I, I you know, I get that that feels awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then outside of that moment, you know, just in when we're driving in the car or, or, you know, eating side by side at the bar, then I might like try to slip in a little bit more, um, a little bit more teaching or coaching. But in the moment, I think I just want them to feel like their mom gets it. Well, I think that's an important distinction to make because I feel like talking in the moment is what we are kind of inclined to do right. as adults. Like we want to like take care of it and talk about it and process the heck out of it. Fix it but yeah. at the same time, like we spending that time, that present time listening and really showing empathy, I think is a beautiful thing. And then later in the calm moments, in the in the moments where they actually can really hear us, talking exactly. about the bigger concepts. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. For sure. So what do you think, looking back in your life, as you have moved closer, or not closer, but as you move further down this journey towards minimalism and getting rid of physical and emotional clutter, what are some things that you really remember feeling comparison and envy around when you felt like those things were really poignant in your life? Yeah. I'd say as a kid and a teen, I remember longing for that one shining attribute that would make me stand out. 
Like as a kid, I just felt kind of average, you know, so you see those kids who are like amazing basketball players in by sixth grade (laughs) and you just wish you had that amazing talent that would make you stand out. (laughs) So I remember longing for something that made me feel a little less average. I'm okay with my averageness now. (laughs) Um, And then another one was early motherhood. I felt, I feel like my transition to motherhood brought up a lot of comparison for me. So I felt like the constant chaos and stimulation of raising young kids, especially a few young kids at once, came easier to everybody else. So that's taken some definite um, inner work to realize that we all have different capacities and to just love myself for my own. Right. And that that's interesting that you talk about um, when you were young, really craving something that you were really good at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really typical thing. And I actually had a conversation with an older man a few years ago who told me that because of that, he chose to enroll his kids into unusual sports. Wow, so instead yeah. of signing them up for soccer, just like the thousands of other kids that were in the, in the city doing the same thing, he signed them up for like sea kayaking or just like, um, (laughs) letting them really find something that was unique and different to, to give them something that they felt like they were making their own and they were excelling at in a different way that wasn't necessarily going to be, um, measured up against everyone else, just letting themselves find a way to set themselves apart and to do something different. And I, I just love that idea. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with that. My husband always says that when he was like an early teen, he got his first dirt bike, a motorcycle. He lived outside of Las Vegas, like way outside of Las Vegas, where they could just take off riding dirt bikes into the Red Rocks from their backyard. So he said that all growing up, like whenever he felt angsty as a as a teen, he would just hop on his motorcycle and go. And he felt like totally confident. He felt like he could navigate the desert. Um, he could change a flat tire or whatever you need to do to a motorcycle, <laughs> a dirt bike. And that gave him confidence. So I, I like that idea too. Yeah. Like finding a way to set our, help our kids feel like they stand out, not necessarily in a gigantic competition, but just by seeking something different. And I also think this kind of puts them a little bit on the track to living a bit of a countercultural life, mm-hmm. like making choices that are different from what a lot of people in society are doing. I love that. Yeah. So what about in your life now? Do you feel like there's any areas that you feel emotional clutter and comparison still crops up for you? Ooh, this is a loaded question, but I like yeah. it. <laughs> okay. So I would say that I've spent the last handful of years doing some real inner work to help me believe that I'm enough just the way I am. So that's a big part of why I write the Life on Purpose movement, um, because it has helped me heal. And I hope that my writing helps other people heal too. But lingering, I would say that I will, I always struggle a little bit with body image and aging and my relationship with food. Then Um, my need for stability, even predictability, and how easy it is for me to get thrown off. I feel like my equilibrium is upset fairly easily, just in life in general. And I tend to see other people as more flexible or resilient than I am. 
I'm working on that, that thought inside of my head. I try not to hold that tightly anymore, but that's something that crops up when I'm not like really emotionally on top of it. <laughs> then yeah, maybe... it's something you go back to What's again that? and again. It's something that you go back yeah, to that seems to. to kind of reemerge. Right. I think it comes up a lot, to be honest, because my husband tends to be um, really spontaneous and he resists predictability. So obviously having two people in a marriage who are pretty different in that way, I tend to notice it a lot. So then let's see, the pace I feel like I need to take my life at is pretty slow. I need a good amount of time for rest and self-care in order to be my best self. And when I'm not staying on top of my emotional health, I sometimes let this mean that I can't do as much as others. So that's a thought um, that I have to watch as well. And then the last one that comes to mind, I'd say, is the kind of wife and mom I am, which is probably tied up with that, with all these other ones. <laughs> but I feel like I'm a mom, a wife and a mom who needs order and plenty of time to herself. So those are just thoughts that come up that you know, areas where I tend to compare myself, but I'm always trying to remind myself that I am the way I am for a reason. And that every, every, what we perceive as a negative quality has a flip side. And so I tend to give my kids like the predictability and the stability, whereas my husband tends to bring like the fun and the spontaneity. And I need a lot of time to myself, but that also means that I tend to be kind of a deep thinker and have a lot, um, a lot to say. And I think that's a good thing. So I just try to look at, look at them from two sides, I guess. Yeah. Now you mentioned body image and that one stuck out to me because that's something I feel like I have had a hard time letting go of comparison yeah. of, and especially with having kids and changing sizes and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I, before I had kids, I had this really interesting experience. So I've always felt like I'm like pretty average size and I have a lot of friends who are skinnier than me. And that was always kind of like a thing for me. I always felt like, oh, I could be, or I should be skinnier. And I, was shopping for jeans. Let's see. It was like probably like a year or so after I got married and I was at this store that only sold jeans mm -hmm. and I was shopping for jeans and they had this whole, this huge wall with a mirror, like the mirror went from floor to ceiling. And I, there was like a girl, a sales lady, a girl, she was probably like in her early twenties. I was probably like 25. She was helping me and she, I was looking at her and I don't like shopping for jeans. Like definitely like always like, oh, my, <laughs> like my butt's too flat. My Ooh, thighs are too big. Like, you know, just yes. like always getting down to myself. So I am like dreading this process of shopping for jeans. And I look at her and I'd be like, oh, I just wish I was as skinny as her is what my mind said. Right. And then I tried on some jeans and she came up next to me in the mirror and I was skinnier than her. Oh my goodness. Isn't that wow. fascinating? Yeah. Like, so that has become this like, this like bizarre incident that sticks in my head that it's like these comparisons that I'm making in my life are often entirely inaccurate. Like the way that I'm perceiving myself are not necessarily reality. Like I, how much that we can distort our own reality without even realizing it and how much we can underestimate who we are and what we're capable of and even estimate what our size are sizes are compared to the next person. Right. Um, I don't know. Can that's you just, imagine that, if, if you can have something that skewed, that's like 
a physical thing that you can see, you know, in real life. Like imagine how um, how turned around and mixed up and inflated we can have intangible things in our heads. Exactly. And it's just like this constant reminder that like, if I can like have this huge misconception of a physical thing that is actually measurable, I can only imagine how many things that I am skewing in my head when it comes to comparing myself to other I love people that. constantly. That was a, that was a perfect and, analogy. Yeah. And it just has always, it's always stuck with me between like thinking of myself, like for body image issues, but for, for mental clutter issues as well, this idea that like, right. I really have no idea. I have no idea what anyone else is going through or what other people are capable of. And like, I really need to just stay in my own lane because Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> this is about me and being my best self. It's not about anybody else. Right. Exactly. So do you feel like you've been able to let go of this comparison, these comparisons and clutter as you've been doing the work on this and you've been really bringing it to your awareness? I feel like I am. (laughs) I'm probably doing better on some than others. Um, Like the wife and mom one, I, I think a lot of that, how I felt as a new mom and struggling with the chaos had I identified that that had to do with me being um, an introvert and possibly a highly sensitive person. So a lot of um, external stimulation is just really quickly overwhelming for me, which makes sense that I would struggle with that in new motherhood. Because when you have three kids, you know, age four and a half and under, there's going to be a lot (laughs) of chaos and stimulation. So I did a lot of inner work on that. Um, trying to trying to figure out what made me strong as an introverted mom and trying to dwell on that more than I did on my weaknesses. I ended up writing a whole e-course about that. <laughs> so I get to share that message with other moms. Other places though, like I still struggle. Like I would say that I I'm making good progress on accepting the fact that I need a slower pace of life and that's why I'm so drawn to minimalism. And I'm making good progress on accepting the fact that I love stability and predictability while also making room and being open to some um, curveballs, you know. (laughs) So I just think it's all a work in progress. I don't know if any of us are ever really done and that's okay. Yeah. And I feel like a couple of those things that really stand out to me, like you being an introvert and you needing a lower a slower pace in life, that those things are really sort of counter to what society rewards. Like society rewards this fast paced, highly productive life and society rewards extroversion and sometimes sees introversion as a weakness or as this negative character trait. And I love that you're bringing a voice to both of these things in the sense that different is not worse. Different is not bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's just one of the main messages that threads my work together is I want women to feel like they can be who they are and that they don't have to move at the pace that they see everybody around them moving at and that it's all just okay (laughs) and better than okay. Right. And that slower is not worse. That slower is just finding the right speed that works for you. Yeah. Slower, sometimes slower can be more impactful. I, I hope that I have a deeper impact on the few things that I tend to emphasize. And that's the minimalist in me talking probably. (laughs) 
you know, I, I really zero in on my personal values and the few things that I care about the most, like my family, my creativity, my faith. And I hope that I can have a deeper impact on those few things um, compared to a maybe slightly more surface impact on a lot of things. So I think it's just accepting the way the way you are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I am so excited that your book is going to be in the hands of so many people coming up soon. And I, how was the book writing process for you? It was, it was exciting. It was good. <laughs> yeah. Are you glad that it's over or when ready I to do first, another one? When I first started, I told my husband, like I texted him from the coffee shop, like I was made to write books. I love this. And then, and then like mid writing it, I had a pretty short, a relatively short, um, deadline mid writing it. I was just like telling everybody, I don't think this is any good. I think I'm, I don't think I was meant to do this anymore. No way. Let's throw it all out. But then just a few weeks later, I started to feel really good about it again and worked out all the kinks and I'm really happy with where it turned out. And I'm just excited to share the message with people. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And I'll also put a link to the Life on Purpose movement for anyone that's not familiar with your work there. And um, anyway, other other ways, any other favorite ways to get in touch with you or to follow along with the work that you're doing? Yeah, those are great. You can just pretty much on any platform, you can look for the Life on Purpose movement or Erica Lane and you'll find me. And you can look for my book, The Minimalist Way on Amazon. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with Erica. You can find the links to the things that we talked about and how to get in touch with her in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 151. As always, thanks for tuning in.